0: Today's guest on 10 Questions is the actress Harriet Dyer. Australian audiences know her best for her work as Patricia Saunders on Love Child, April on No Activity, and the show stopping Stevie on The Other Guy. But since moving to the US, Harriet's career has reached even greater heights. First, she starred in The In Between, a supernatural drama for NBC, and we'll talk about that later. And she's currently appearing on the new NBC hit American Auto. We'll learn more about what's going on in Harry's life as the interview unfolds. But I start off by asking her when she was most happy.
1: I could preface this with saying that I'm happy a lot, right? I'm happy. I'm a happy person generally and always pretty much in hindsight. Everything is pretty rosy in my mind. I've been pretty blessed with not too much trauma. That being said, I'd say there was a couple of years in my 20s when I was living in this share house with my best friend Robin, when I moved in, we were strangers. But now, you know, we're soulmates. And he, we—it's it, just nothing to really worry about. Like I was doing TV and plays, but the doing the theatre was the the happy moment I'm remembering mostly. Like, you did your ten to ten to six rehearsals for five weeks, and then your days flip, and you work six till ten for five weeks at night, and you get to have your days and then we drink so much and party and the only thing we had to worry about was if the chicken shop had run out of like potato bake Do you know what I mean that was and you would go on stage and make people laugh or make people cry or whatever the play was but I'd ride my bike to the opera house you know and ride at home half pissed it was just a really good time and once I moved to America like your career it's like a hustle there you can't sit back in it anymore you've got to sit Mm -hmm. forward in it because everything costs more to live there and there's more people in the pond and you can't treat it as as kind of you can't hold on to it loosely you've got to you've got to be fighting things a bit more I found once we once I moved there so there's a A really peaceful, easy feeling when I think about maybe I was maybe 22 to 26 living in Randwick.
0: With the adjustment to America, how did you make that adjustment? How did you notice that people were different and how did you adjust to it?
1: Uh, Not well. I, I found... I found it really hard that you'd walk into a coffee shop and you couldn't get away from the industry. You'd, you'd walk into a coffee shop and hear some guy go, "Yeah, we haven't cast her yet. Yeah, we're casting that this afternoon." And you'd be like, "Whoa, whoa! I can't, I can't get go anywhere." And you'd be walking up a beautiful canyon at sunset and just hear something about an audition or a mm. script. Or like it, it's just everywhere. It's so pervasive. Mm. I'd find I'd go to dinner with Patty and some friends and everyone was talking about the business and Mm. the first six months of my living there, because I hadn't said anything and didn't have any business. I I found it tricky
0: Mm. to
1: engage and connect with people because uh, back home, I felt like we could talk about any number of things at a dinner.
0: 100%. It was
1: all about what are you working on?
0: I felt like no one cares here. Whether, you know, what you're doing. No
1: No. Um, I how much so that at Christmas you're like, Dad, are you going to ask? <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll have you know, I'm on a very big show in the States. You yeah. um, Ooh, oh, are you, love? Oh, Patrice. Oh, yeah, mate. Mate, how are you? We take a break as Harry's delivered a coffee from her husband, the actor, writer, and 10 Questions alumnus, Patrick Brammel. The two of them are back in Australia, about to film a soon to be announced half hour comedy for Binge, which they wrote and created together but back to living in LA. What I felt particularly being around such successful people in LA, if you hadn't worked in a little while, you felt self-conscious. And yeah.
1: Like, what are you doing here?
0: What are you doing here? Mate, you should go home.
1: Well, cause, cause no one really, unless you've like married an American or something, no one really has a reason to stay. Like we're already thinking about coming back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We have to see some things yeah, out, yeah. but, and if you just want to live there, then fine. But, um, we have to remember that everything's like, you know, one twenty-five to the dollar right. and, and everything, everything's harder. Everything's harder there. So I think it was those years before moving to LA that everything just had like a looser
0: feeling. 100%. Um, who would you like to apologise to and why?
1: I mean, there's someone that's not really for a public forum. <laughs> beyond them, it would be, and this might be a bit like, sad or weird. But I think I'd like to apologize to our daughter because we because she's adopted, we can only we can give her so much. You know, um we can give her an amazing childhood and great opportunities and drive her to soccer or ballet, whatever she wants to do, but we actually can't provide her with a biological link. And you know, everyone says that baby's so lucky or any baby you adopt is so lucky they land with you guys. Man, that baby hit the jackpot. She's so lucky. But she's actually not, you know. the, the, the Those two people that made her didn't want to raise her. And that thing that we all take for granted, you know, a, a natural mother's love anyways, is, is just she doesn't have. And the father, we don't know where he is. And that's... um she is lucky after the after a bad thing happened though you know and even though it's nothing i did i i can't take it back i would like to stay open to offering her empathy and, and an apology for not actually being able to give her that basic biological connection you know wow. and you know she can't answer questions at the doctor. There's all sorts of things that will be a mystery to her. And I, I hope that with our love, that wound isn't too big. I hope that we can make that wound small. But I, I'm i sorry for the fact that she will always have that wound. And there's not much we can do about it.
0: Oh man, you me <laughs> cry. That's a beautiful answer. Um, what is your greatest no, it's not weird <laughs> at all. It's hundred percent true, and you know, I mean, it's uh,
1: it's one of those sides of adoption, isn't it? That we no one wants to look at.
0: No, it's it, mm-hmm. and it and it requires the experience you've gone through to actually say what you just said.
1: Yeah, you would, like be big enough to acknowledge that you you can't be everything. No, but not even biological parents can't be everything to their child. But there is a gap there that. I will want to acknowledge for her.
0: I think that's good for her too. It's like, yeah, well, well, mum doesn't, mum doesn't pretend to be everything, you know? Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right.
0: um, Question three is what is your greatest regret?
1: I don't have many because everything that i fucked up kind of turned good or was in the process of turning good. Um, I regret not trying harder at school. I kind of coasted. There was... I got a good op Queensland. I got an okay. I like a pretty good op, but I think I thought I was keeping my powder dry as well in terms of study. But like I literally never studied again. I did a few acting courses, and I've never went, I've never been to uni. But I mm-hmm. thought, oh, I've got plenty of study coming up. I'm gonna bloody <laughs> um I hit the books then, and I never did. And so now <laughs> it's just not my my brain doesn't. <clears throat> it's harder.
0: Well, um is so so you didn't go to acting school.
1: I did, but it was mostly practical.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it, did you go to acting school?
1: Um I did it well, I did a one-year course first in music theater at NIDA called singer <laughs> dancer actor, and then I had a year's break and I did some plays like amateur theater in Sydney and then I did a two and a half year course at the Actors Center, which was okay. like a full-time thing and yeah, I mean, we might have had to hand in one essay on mask work or something but it was all very arbitrary like most of the stuff was up on the floor.
0: Harry's embraced screenwriting over the past few years and now has credits that include The Other Guy for Stan and the forthcoming Summer Love for ABC and she says the process provides many different challenges to acting.
1: Working in TV in America um, the scripts are challenging in in ways that I've got to walk fast and talk fast in a different accent in tight clothes. That's joking, <laughs> but I'm not set on fire up here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no, not
1: that... like, whoa, i got to research this.
0: And, and that, that's why it's great you're doing your own show because it, that just, it just really exercises all those muscles.
1: Yeah. I think I wish I'd known, though, that it was my last time with a textbook. Because I feel nostalgic now when I think of textbooks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And their
1: smell and all the little working activities in them. I I just, I didn't know that that would be it for
0: me. (laughs) I want to tell you that maybe at some stage you should go back and do some study.
1: Yeah, that's not, that door is not closed at all. Even just to keep my brain going because I think dementia is coming down the line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think, but I like the sound of Dr. Dyer.
1: Dr. Dyer. Oh my yeah. goodness. That's
0: Let's, a little far. Yeah.
1: yeah but I have a degree first, Adam. I don't even have that. I have to <laughs> that four in acting.
0: We'll <laughs> and get I you a degree.
1: I it up. <laughs> it's probably still in the office. <laughs>
0: uh, um, question four, what we need to do to fill you for the satisfactory life.
1: Oh, I'd love to um, give Joni a really good childhood, set her up well for life Um. Just not mess her up too much, and then I feel pretty good. Mm. If I could offer her really great spaces to thrive in, and people to learn off, and people to help raise her, and communities that she feels reflected in, that mm. kind of stuff, I think that'd be that'd be rad. Because everything else is feeling good, you know. Also, I'd like to worry less about how everyone is. You know, I have this bad habit, especially when I'm surrounded by people I I deeply love or care about. I sometimes can just, if one of them's in a mood, like if I'm with my family and my brother walks in in a mood, I I have trouble letting him be in the mood. I want to help. I want to know what's happening. I want to help. And Mm. it'd be nice just to lean back a little more and let people get through their stuff and come to me rather than me like always you all right just like (laughs) yeah it's a lot
0: (laughs) I hear you know I do that too
1: yeah and I'm sure it's fucking exhausting for them as well Mm. what what do I want what do we want Adam we want a sticker
0: (laughs) (laughs) you
1: you did good today
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's right you really you really got some people out of a blue mood
1: yeah you you forced them out of it yeah you controlled them out of it (laughs)
0: I looked it up and I've diagnosed us both with a little bit of anxiety disorder, which makes us want to control people out of their blue moods. Out of all the disorders you can have, I'd argue it's one of the cutest. Unless, of course, you're on the other end of it. Moving on to question five. Who's the person who most influenced Harry and how?
1: Like the obvious answer is mum and dad and brother and sister. Um, certainly in, you know, your formative years. But beyond that, it would have to be Patrick Bramall. And I don't, who is that guy? Who is I'm that guy? a loser. No, he, Patty, It's like, uh, and it kind of dawned on me when I read the questions, and I, uh, I think the, something about like the feminist in me was like, no, I'm good alone. But like, he really has influenced my life in a huge way. Like when he, not long after we got together, he moved to LA, and I just don't think I would have gone. Um, and really set myself up there or being able to set myself up there without him, you know, it, the green card's $10,000 and I was working in theatre and I, I borrowed half of that off my parents, but it meant arriving in LA, I'm, I was pretty much broke, but my yeah. boyfriend was yeah, already yeah. living there in a one-bedroom apartment with a car with a lease and it, it, I was able to set up meetings for myself and, and I was able to start a life there and, you in, in a sort... Semi, I mean, it's not like I was, I was sponsored by him, but that's, he, if he if he hadn't been there and supported me, and I mean, emotionally and financially in that time, I, I don't think I would have been able to do anything. And, and and also in terms of like, writing this show, I kind of would kick around the house and go, oh, maybe I want to write something. And he was like, just do it here, you know, go. I've got to go he was working on activity. He goes, you got a week. Why don't you do this? You got a week, go to Charlie's at Australians and film, take my car. It's, you know, you've got a week, just punch out a pilot. And this is the show we're making now. And he oh, read it. Oh. And he was like, it's awesome. And he helped me with it. And then he wrote it two and then I wrote it three. And then he wrote it. Um, I, we did odds and evens anyway, but he, I just don't think I would have backed myself enough to live in America without him backing me. And I don't think I would have backed myself enough to ever write anything without him backing me. And, and it's just extremely fortuitous that my partner um, has been so wonderful and, so yeah. and he, he's, he is such a hard worker and he's made me work harder. I think I have more of a coasting mentality and he makes me... He inspires me to be better and do better and, and find more strings to my bow that are already there that I don't really believe in myself enough, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you, you know, you, you've also brought a lot to him Yeah, as well. I'm sure. And, um... I'm,
1: I know I have. It's not like he's on a pedestal in this relationship by any means mm. it's just that there's a couple of doors that um I was flirting with that he held open in in a way
0: he's good like that he's yeah he's he'll just push you and it's I, I relate to him in that sense because we both are sons of journos mm-hmm. and there is something about the journo mentality that just goes you just do it yeah. You pick up the phone and you Absolutely. do it. You know? that
1: might be right. That might be right. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's not something I think I'd ever thought about though, because you know, if you've got if you've got a girlfriend you love, of course she's going to live live with you in LA. Like, of course, like it's not like the yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not like I went <laughs> took his fucking credit card to rodeo Drive or anything. Like, <laughs> I was I was like, if I don't, I think I moved there in August, and I said, if I don't get a job in pilot season, which was Jan Feb, I'm going to get a job at a bookshop or a bar. Like, that's it. I don't want to live a sponsored yeah, yeah, life. Yeah. I actually despise it. Yeah. I hated going to the Grove or a shopping center and just like not feeling very good about buying a $10 t shirt because it wasn't my money. Like, a sponsored life is not the life yeah. for me. But thankfully, I did it. He, he, I was able to do it for a couple of months. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I remember you guys from that time. I mean, it was all very scary for all of us. Yeah. You know,
1: just the expense,
0: you know. Oh, and yeah, he, and yeah. yeah
1: he was on a good wicket with CBS and no activity and stuff and I just I was able to I, I just take my hat off to anyone anyone that goes there without someone like him like I, I I've got friends that have moved there and got a car lease or bought like a car for $1,500 off Facebook and then they start working as a nanny or at in the Barney's Binary, and I'm like fucking get you go get it and I just feel very privileged yeah. that um I was able to have a couple of months on the ground where I didn't have to hustle and I could just Mm. show up to meetings if I had them.
0: It didn't take too many meetings or auditions before Harry landed the lead in the NBC drama The In Between, where she played Cassie Bedford, a bartender with unexplained psychic abilities. Suddenly her face was looking down at you from billboards as you drove down Sunset Boulevard, and I'm guessing she no longer had any problem affording $10 t-shirts from The Grove. Moving on to question six, when was the last time Harry cried?
1: I cried a couple of days ago, maybe started last week. And I, it was because I've been struggling with the idea of letting Joni, our daughter, go for this show. Um, she's going to have, she's four months old and our nanny, who's excellent, is going to take her basically Monday to Friday, seven till seven, or like a full work day. She's going to bring it a set sometimes and maybe I'll have half a day off or whatever, but for like seven or eight weeks, and you, she's only like 18 weeks old, for seven or eight weeks, we're not going to see her much and so there's been moments in pre-production where I just want to I just want to take her I want to take her to the location scouts even if it means she cries in the car I'm, I'm trying to bundle her into our life more and I was having this growing anxiety about uh, letting letting her go for a while and it was the other morning and Pat was like no I'll stay home with the baby you go to the location scout and I was like just come with me. We can do this. And I just, bu- I just bubbled over my anxiety and I just cried a little bit. And I said, this really matters to me that we all go to yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I
0: said,
1: I think I said, <laughs> I said something broken like a sledgehammer. I said like, Oh, you're my husband. You're supposed to understand me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But then, and you know what? I was fucking right. Oh, that's right. But yeah,
0: well, she came yeah, yeah. and,
1: and she, she's such an icebreaker, you know. The owner of the house wants to nurse her while we look around and then we went to a hospital setting and she just drank a bottle in the corner. Like it's kind of great. And I think people I think people enjoy it seeing that we are we are juggling a lot of things and it also gives us a bit of leeway when we don't answer an email. They're like, Oh, we've seen the baby. They've got a baby.
0: (laughs) I love it. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I'm I'm having, I'm having a little bit of trouble. I've got this like recurring nightmare that the nanny or Jamela will bring her to set and pass it to me and she'll cry and want to go back to.
0: (laughs) Do you know, it's a blip.
1: I know, isn't it? it is, it's right. a clip
0: of time, but yeah, you'll be. But I, I totally get it. But it's like, I, I,
1: totally I, get I don't it. have that much mum. It's not like mum guilt because she's going to have the best time with Jamela. Jamela's like a better mum than me. She's got so much energy. She wants to do stuff with her. So I don't feel guilty. I just I feel sad. <laughs> Selfish, of course.
0: <laughs> it's a connection thing, too. Yeah. You know, um what is your current state of mind?
1: Stretched feels quite stretched, yeah, like pig skin over a drum,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for doing this, by the way. Hey, no worries, a very intense time. No, I
1: just a little, um, but 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 there is a sea, like a little sea of calm at the bottom, which is okay. I don't Mm. feel currently too bad, I just feel stretched and um. Mm. I'm very, I also feel a bit absent with my friends and I I'm a, I, I pride myself on being a really good friend. Mm. And both with COVID, like I can't go and visit people right now because if we got it now, our, our production would be in jeopardy. But just even just phone calls and stuff, I'm feeling very absent with my friends, but I think they'll all understand. But mm. beyond that, I, but I also feel challenged, like um, like a lobster, one of those like a lobster that gets too big for its, you know, that. And they grow out of their shell. Like I feel like I'm pushing another shell off, which is good. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love all these animal metaphors.
1: Do you? Oh, good.
0: In the past year, Harry got married, adopted a child, starred in one of the US's most popular sitcoms, and now she's making a show with her husband. So among all these incredible achievements, I asked her if one particularly stood out.
1: My like my greatest achievement is probably my um, career. I'm proud of it. It has now got more facets to it that I'm proud of. But um, but similarly, like I just said, my friends before, I, I I also think that I'm very proud of my relationships. My mm. and I think that they are an achievement because they take work and yeah yeah. It's a garden. You've got to tend it. You, it. I know, I know that if I were in trouble, I could call five people and they'd answer and take care of me. And that's that I'm proud of that. That's you know, bright. it's probably not my great. Like a, the question was greatest achievement, maybe my career, but like, but probably my proudest achievement would be my relationships. And that's with my mm. family as well. My mum and dad, and my brother and sister and Patty, like, um, it's, it's just all so solid mm. and um, fun and open and honest. I think that, that's an achievement.
0: Uh, absolutely. And I reckon that's a really important litmus test. Um, if you're in trouble, who would come to your rescue?
1: Yeah. And
0: if you do have four or five people who would do that, then that's a, that's a win, I reckon. It means you're doing something it right. could be
1: more. I don't know. I haven't tried it. <laughs> Maybe tonight I'll just try it. Just fucking <laughs> send the flag up. <laughs>
0: Who would you want on your side in a battle and why?
1: I take it it's not a physical battle.
0: No, no. Having said that, it could be any battle you choose. But, yeah, it could be comedy battle, work battle, physical battle.
1: Probably my mum just because she's she's so passionate about protecting her kids. And she also, like, she'd be well-informed. She'd be well-researched. You know, mm. anyone who's ever slighted me, Mum's found their Facebook profiles. Do you know what I mean? She is a bit of an armchair warrior. Great. <laughs> that iPad has seen some really exciting times.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but she's ruthless, and um, and I, I'd also just enjoy um engaging her in some sort of battle, and she'd love it. Like, oh yeah, she lives for this shit.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great.
1: Scorpion, you know, she? and a professional mom. <laughs> she's, she's on LinkedIn. Um, what does she call herself? Head of logistics and planning. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she doesn't have a job, but that's her job. She thinks in in our family, and she's made herself a LinkedIn profile. But yeah, I'd like to have in about battle, I reckon
0: so. So someone slighted you, does she get on Facebook and troll them or does she just go, oh, oh, no, I just want to know who you are? She
1: hasn't. I don't think she's trolled anyone on my behalf. She definitely uh-huh. has on my sister's. Mm-hmm. She sent some pretty ruthless messages to people who have hurt my sister. Great. I don't think she sent any on my behalf, but, like, you know, we we had that adoption fall through, you know, yeah. six months before Joni was born and, poor oh, mum found mom, – mum's found – Everything. Mm-hmm. involved in that. Like, she hasn't mm-hmm. sent anything to my knowledge. Maybe she has, and if she has, I don't mind. You know, she can do whatever she wants. But
0: can you hire your mum?
1: She's like a private investigator. We call her DPI. <laughs> and I just think, uh, I think, I think it's her greatest probably regret that she isn't. She wants to be a mystery shopper. Do you know what I mean? She's just like she she wants to find shit out about people.
0: Can you hire her?
1: What do you mean? I'm sure you could. Okay. Do to, it for free. To,
0: to do the same job that she's doing for you—that's what I'm saying. You know, there's so many people who slide at me.
1: She'd do it time Sometimes she wakes up in the middle of the night and decides she can like solve a murder from rural Queensland in the in the 70s. Brilliant. She'll just wake up with a name and go, oh,
0: I've got it. I, don't get it on a true crime podcast.
1: No, she, yeah, she wouldn't listen to him. She thinks we're all wrong
0: the last question is what would you like your last words to be it's
1: like it depends how you want to go out hey because i've i've lost a grandmother to um you know her body gave up but her mind was completely sharp. right so she was able to say i love you goodbye whereas my other grandma she's still with us but she's not with us you know her body is fit and her mind is she's not fit (laughs) like her mind's gone and I can't, I can't I'm, I'm always oscillating between what's worse. I mean, one's worse for the people around you, isn't it? But I guess selfishly, I'd say something incoherent, you know, so that I, I did reach a point of dementia and just die not knowing it. I mean, I don't want to know I'm dying. I watched that happen and it doesn't look that fun.
0: Oh, you? yeah. How many times have you died on screen?
1: Well, oh, so many. So many. Because that yeah. in Clean Show... Um, I think I, like, die in every episode as a, as a flash forward of what's uh, happened or a flashback. And so I was kind of murdered all the time. Uh, but I meant I've seen it. I mean, I've seen my grandma go, like, my brain's here, but my body's out, bye. And that, look, that looked scary to me, to be ho- totally compass mentis, that you're dying tonight. Like,
0: uh,
1: to me, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Whereas, like, I look at my other grandma, Joni, and I'm like, well you're not going to know. Isn't that lovely? And so maybe I'd like that. Maybe I'd like to be really old and say something really incoherent about something and just drift off into delirium. Yeah.
0: And then people are scholars are working for years to try and work out the, you know, the meaning of what you said.
1: Yeah. It could be anything.
0: (laughs) What are some hints for actors who who are about to die, to die on camera?
1: Oh, I don't think just don't overdo it. Mm -hmm. You know that death scene I did in um the Invisible Man that 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 won like Hollywood Reporter's best scene of 2020 or something.
0: Oh wow, yeah, that was great. And I only got one
1: go at that. I thought we'd have several goes. Like they had so many of my top lined up on set, like six versions of the silk blouse I was wearing. I was like, great. I'll get a couple of goes here and we'll right out of time. And It was basically the rehearsal, but I don't know. I mean.
0: But that's good, don't overdo it.
1: I think it's more quiet than we think, isn't it?
0: Mm.
1: And I don't think I've ever probably nailed that, but I think dying is probably a more private thing and we make it public on camera, but I think it's probably a lot smaller and more kind of like, oh, is that it?
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app. And leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at AdamZoir. So until next time, thanks for joining us.